in the future, we think Mr. Beast will sell his YouTube channel and you will be able to buy a part of it. Now, that might not make sense right now, but through this episode, we are going to define a new business model for creators, as well as three key terms that will explain how this can work. This episode is all about the future. The first term we have to define is catalog value. And this is the idea that your catalog, your library of videos has value that will grow over time. So let's look at an example. Casey Neistat, one of the biggest creators on YouTube, hasn't uploaded that much in the past year. He's uploaded four videos and each of them have done about 2 million views. So that's 8 million views on new episodes over the last year. But his channel has done 76 million views in the last 12 months. That means 68 million views came from his back catalog of videos. And he's earning revenue from YouTube with that library. And he will continue to do so over time. And I think as creators, what's interesting is that we always think about our next upload. Like we're working on this video, it's going to come out, and then we have to work on the next one and the next one and the next one. But what you don't understand is you're actually generating catalog value. You're creating a compounding effect with your content. And that's something that I think is really well understood in the music industry, but not as much in video, right? In music, it's understood that you'll be making money off of streaming and all of your albums will continue to make money over time. I mean, Bruce Springsteen sold his catalog for $500 million to Sony. So in the Bruce Springsteen example, Sony bought that catalog and now owns 100% of those earnings. That's like just a one-to-one transaction right there. But what we think the future is, is fans and supporters being able to participate and own a share of those catalogs. And that brings us to term number two, fractional ownership. So fractional ownership is something that exists in real estate. It exists in many places, but it's defined as a method in which several unrelated parties can share in the ownership of a high value asset. It says here, usually a jet, yacht, or a piece of real estate. The, the easiest way to understand this is through an example. Is we're all getting a jet. Right. Or and a yacht. And or a yacht or both. Right. We're going to share. We're going to pool our money in and we're going to share a yacht. So I think the easiest way to understand this is through an example. Like how does this pertain to YouTube? Let's look at Mr. Beast's recreation of Squid Game. The way that video even came together was he posted a TikTok saying if this TikTok had a certain amount of likes, he would actually go ahead and make the video. And then throughout the process of making the video, he obviously brought us along and was really open about how much money he needed to raise to make that video, which was around $3 million. He raised some of that money through selling t-shirts and he raised some of it through a brand partnership. But now let's talk about how this could work in the future of fractional ownership. Hypothetically, let's say he raised $2 million from selling those t-shirts and from the brand partnership, but he still needs to raise another $1 million, which is a third of his budget. He could potentially raise that $1 million by selling a percentage of the future AdSense earnings of the video. So let's say he sells 33% of -hmm. the future AdSense earnings. 100,000 people buy it for $10, that's a million. And that grouping of people is entitled to 33% of the earnings from Mr. Beast Squid Game recreation for the rest of time, which could be very lucrative. I mean, the video is very lucrative. I think what's interesting there is the way we define this term is having ownership in a high value asset. The asset is not the video actually here. Like what we're suggesting is that you would have ownership in a portion of the AdSense earnings. And as we've seen, YouTube AdSense can get really large for creators, especially when it's applied not just to a single video, but to the creator's entire catalog. 
And that is actually this understanding and this bet that YouTube as a whole continues to grow, that, that e this ecosystem continues to grow, the platform revenue continues to grow, and that it's incredibly beneficial to have the audience connected to that growth on the platform. So one of the reasons that a creator like Mr. Beast would want to do this is actually just to gauge interest and see if this is a video that people want to watch. Mm -hmm. Will they actually put money against watching this video? That's similar to what happens in crowdfunding or Kickstarter, where it's like, how many people want to see this video happen? Pledge some money for your support. Next, it actually does allow him to raise capital for the mm -hmm. video. So there's a tangible use there. But mainly, it actually just creates a community of people who are incentivized in the success of the video. So when mm -hmm. it comes out, they want to share it. And I think audiences on YouTube already have that feeling of vested interest in a creator. This just makes it a more tangible experience where it's like, I feel like I helped produce the video and I'm also connected to the success of that video, which is a completely new experience for an audience member. Paying for a t-shirt is one thing, but paying for the actual production of mm -hmm. the video is another, right? Like directly and getting something in return. That's a totally different experience. There's a platform called Royal where Nas is actually releasing his new song exactly like this, where you can actually buy into the future royalties of that song ahead of time. And that kind of pledges your support for the artist. It means that you want to watch them succeed. You want this song to succeed. And you have incentive when the song comes out to share the song and play it a bunch because you are connected to the success of that. You get royalties from it. And we spoke to a musician who's doing a very similar thing with, with her music. At the core, I just wanted somebody to feel what it was like to listen to a song that they owned a piece of. You don't get to experience that unless you are an artist or manager or somehow in the collaboration, the minutes before the song is out, the first listen once it's out, seeing what people say about it, that same experience that you would have as the artist or writer, producer, manager that has a percent in it. So for people who are YouTubers, it might be interesting to think, what is an experience that I uniquely have in this that I wanna to give to somebody else? So why is that advantageous from the musician or the creator's perspective? This is the first chance for musicians to actually sustain themselves. Let's say you're a solo artist and you retain 20% of your royalties, you have $1 million advance, you would need 1.3 billion streams just to get a single dollar. And so you have models like that, but you also could look at doing something like NFTs and actually bringing your audience into that. So when it comes to like what's happening on Royal and even what we're seeing with like Nas and what he's doing, is it reasonable that if someone owns, you know, 1.5% of the royalties that on a $10,000 investment that they could make their money back? Or is it more about the, you know, the support of the artist and the, the, the identity that you are an owner in that song? I think in that specific example, it's not a good investment strategy. Uh, so I would bucket that more as supporting the artist. It would be cool to see that modeled out. Um, like actually after this, I might sit with the record deal simulator and just see what that ends up looking like. And I'll screenshot that and send it over to you. And what Lyra found with the simulator, which she actually made, is that a buyer would need 170 million streams in order to make their money back. And that's not totally unreasonable for an artist as big as Nas. Cool. Amazing. Awesome. Well, really nice meeting yeah. you too. So why don't we talk about how this would work on our channel? When we went out to North Carolina to actually go interview Jimmy, there was a lot of cost involved in that, right? We had to pay for the flights, accommodations. We had to, you know, just get ourselves out there, come back, have the time to edit the videos. Like there's upfront cost for creators in, in making content, even at a smaller scale. Not, we're not making $3 million squid game videos yet, but 
you know, there's cost involved in making these episodes. So what's interesting, there's a tweet recently at us that said, I would pay to watch you guys interview Jimmy again. And that's actually kind of where I started thinking about this concept. I wonder how many other people would do that too. I wonder if we actually could say, yeah, we're going to sell a piece of the AdSense earnings of our next interview with Mr. Beast. If you want to see it, you can buy ownership in it right now. If we raise enough money, we'll go out there, we'll interview him again. And if this video makes money, you're connected to the success of it. Specifically, the expenses were about $10,000 right. that we had to come up with in mm -hmm. order to make that decision to go. Now, looking back, that's one of our most watched videos ever. Mm -hmm. And it's already earned $35,000 in AdSense revenue. So it's totally a reality that instead of putting that money up in the beginning, in the first place, we could have come to our community and said, is this a video that you want to watch? Do you want to have a piece of the earnings and own the success of this video over mm -hmm. time? It, it helps us mitigate risk and make sure that we're making something that our community actually wants to watch. Yeah. And then again, if 10,000 people buy in, like they are incentivized to share that video, make sure it's seen by the most amount of people and they want that video to succeed. That's a huge value to us. And outside of the monetary value, there is ownership value. And that is our third term. This is really the idea that there are two types of value to content. There's entertainment value, right? Everyone gets to watch the Mr. B Squid Game recreation. Mm -hmm. But then there's potentially ownership value where fewer people get to be owners. It gets to be part of their identity that they were invested early on in the production of this video. And I think this is just generally the future of the internet. We're seeing it in the world of, of crypto and NFTs where people care about owning something. Ownership matters. And that ownership does not necessarily mean that it comes with any sort of utility. I think that's something that Web3 and NFTs have opened my eyes to. This fact that, you know, even you, you owned a World of Women NFT and you sold it. And you made money off of it. Mm -hmm. But you were super disappointed that day that you no longer own this thing that you felt was a part of your identity. I was really shocked by my feeling. When I went to look at that NFT, the World of Women NFT that I owned, and saw that it was owned by someone else, and there was a button that said, make offer to buy it. And I was like, but that's mine. I'm the one who picked that one out. That's, that should be mine. And yes, you're right. I did sell it. I made money. That The utility of the whole situation was... This, this experience of making an investment and making money on the investment. But that's actually not what mattered to me as much as this feeling of ownership and that I bought into a project and believed in the project and had this cool looking piece of art. Yeah. I even think back to a more tangible example right now of like, I have an entire drawer in my house of just old clothes that mean something to me. Same. That I, will, I think everyone has that everyone drawer. Everyone has that drawer. And you can't throw it away. I will never wear those clothes, but I can't throw them away because owning them matters to me. To truly understand this idea that ownership matters, it helps to look at a 1985 original Jordan sneaker. On StockX, that shoe right now goes for like $34,000. That's insane. Originally, it probably cost closer to 100. So it is increased in value like crazy, but it is still just as good at being shoes. If not, maybe worse. If not, maybe worse because yeah. shoe technology has gotten way better. Like it is the same exact shoe but the price has gone way up. And the reason that that's happening is because ownership matters. It's rare and people want to own it. They don't want to use it. Utility does not mean ownership. You don't buy the Jordan to wear it. You buy it for what it says about you as a person and to be connected to other people mm -hmm. who care about Jordans in a similar type of way. The fact that you can even bring it up conversationally that you're an owner could bring you closer to someone else who also cares.
And that's when you get into this really interesting space where when fans are supporting creators, they may not necessarily expect to use ownership in any sort of way Mm -hmm. to make money back to some crazy degree like it's a stock. It's more so about what it means to be an owner, to be connected at a deeper level to a creator. And I think we're kind of seeing that in some of the communities like a Patreon, right? Where it's like a bunch of fans come together to finance a creator. So there is like versions of that. Patreon is I pay, you give me exclusive content. I feel good because I'm supporting my favorite creator. So that's a, that's a clean transaction. The next version of it, what we're talking about, this world of fractional ownership is going to just make that a two-way street where it's I'm supporting you as a creator, but as you grow... I grow too, Mm -hmm. because I'm actually a part of this. Mm -hmm. That I think is just the way the internet's moving. Like this, this world of, of web three, of crypto, of the blockchain, it's just opening up this element where audiences and creators can all share in the same thing. And that is huge because we right now are here because of our community, right? And so like to actually be able to reward the community, to have them feel invested in our success, That's the next chapter of all of this. And we spoke a lot about this on a video level, but clearly when you think about it from a channel perspective, owning a part of the overall catalog that Mm -hmm. has value, that's when it gets really interesting because you're invested in the entire trajectory of the creator and creators can loop in perks like you see on a Patreon. You could be added to a Discord. You could have voting power on what types of videos the creator makes. Let's just say Mr. Beast, when he's watching Paint Dry, offers fractional ownership in his channel. There's going to be some people who are like, I know he's going to make it. Mm-hmm. I know he's going to be big. So I would like to buy into his channel right now for a future portion of his AdSense earnings. That would have been one of the greatest moves in internet history, right? Or Casey Neistat, before he started daily vlogging, that catalog still is doing 76 million views a year without him uploading. So that's like a smart move if you're watching Casey before he starts. So are there any channels right now that you would want to have ownership in? So I would say the one specifically that right now I invest in is someone that we covered in our newsletter, The Published Press, Becca. Subscribe. Becca Means. So she came from TikTok over to YouTube and on her YouTube channel, she just announced that she's moving to LA and is exploring like this career in music and has these cool opportunities. And I found her originally on TikTok. She has this cool mix of like personality, comedy, and super talented singer. Oh yeah. I feel like I'm in on the ground level and I would invest in that channel right now. There there could be this world where YouTube channels just have this option where you go to the YouTube channel and it says, buy ownership in this channel, you know, or pledge ownership in this channel. And the channel could be at a thousand subscribers. And someone could actually say, yeah, I, I believe that this person is going to take off. I'd like to support them right now. And so much of the reason why we made this prediction is because it's already happening in music, in Web3. Mm-hmm. There's precedent for it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's happening and it's happening fast. If you go to a website called fractional.art, you can see it happening in the world of NFTs. Like we mentioned, if you go to Royal, you'll see it happening in the world of music. And we believe that because of that, it's coming for the world of YouTube and online video very quickly. So hopefully by this point of the episode, you understand the new model of fractional ownership and why it makes sense. But let's just recap. First, catalog value. This is the idea that your library of content as a catalog has value over time. Number two, Fractional ownership. This means that audiences will actually get to participate in the creator's success by buying a fraction of ownership in either a video or a channel. And lastly, the reason this will work is because people want to feel a part of something and have ownership. Ownership matters. Especially on the internet. You know? 
Big time. Big time. <laughs> Slap the bass big time.